0: Well, we are continuing to work our way through the book of Ephesians. Uh, this morning we'll be starting chapter 3 today, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's page 1037 um, in the Bible that's in front of you in the pew. It's in um, the Version Bible app. It's in our Brentwood Bible Church app. It's all there together. And so Paul is continuing to kind of talk about what it means to have this new life and this, this, this that, that comes with grace in Christ. And I think we often sometimes think of um, grace as what we, per, what we receive from God as it pertains to salvation. And we've seen that in Ephesians. We are re- as we are recipients of God's grace, we become part of God's family, part of His chosen people. But do we ever think of grace in other ways, right? Does grace apply to other parts of our lives? Does this affect the way that we live? Or is it something that's only displayed when we become believers in Christ, And then we rely on that or we look back to that moment when we received God's grace in our lives. Well, today, Paul views this grace and how it actually has been a part of God's working in the world from the beginning. And so Paul today is going to talk about kind of this revelation that grows over time, right? We progressively know and understand more about who God is and the more he reveals about himself, And so our points today are going to do exactly the same thing. They're going to build on each other um, as we see it. So first we'll see God's plan, how everything is happening, good or bad, is part of what God is doing in the world. We'll see God's plan for grace and how God's plan distributes and dispenses His grace to the nations over time. And then God's plan for grace for you. Right? How do we respond to God giving us this grace? And so let's read it together. We're going to read verses 1 through 13 of chapter 3 um, together this morning. It says this, "'For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, um, as I have briefly written above.' By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ, and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. So we're going to look at and work our way through those verses this morning. And notice Paul starts with, for this reason, right? For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Um, This is actually the beginning of a prayer from Paul. And this is a pattern we saw in chapter one, right? He would say this long sentence or a couple of long sentences about the truth of who God is, about what he's doing, and he would pray that for the Ephesians. And he's doing the same thing, or he's starting to do that in chapter three. Um, But what happens is, as he begins to take this prayer, he then takes a detour, right? So, anybody here ever been distracted while you were praying, like you were praying, and then you just start thinking about all of these other things? Well, Paul is sort of saying, not that you should do that all the time, but it's okay when that happens. And so actually the verses that we're looking at this morning are this aside that interrupts the middle of Paul's prayer. If you look down at verse 14, it picks back up with, for this reason. So it's like him saying, oh yeah, I got to get back on track. And he says, for this reason again. And so that's when he's really going to start his prayer. So everything that we're seeing this morning is kind of Paul's prayer and then saying, oh yeah, I need to include this before. So um you can, Paul's distraction in prayer made it into the Bible, so we can feel a little better about us being distracted sometimes. So let's move forward. And so Paul tells us this situation that he's in, and in this he reveals how he sees God's plan in the world. And so we see this, um, not outright, but in the first verse. Right, we see that Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now when Paul is writing this letter, he is most likely in prison prison in house arrest in Rome and so technically he's a prisoner of Rome he's a prisoner of the emperor whom he had appealed to as a citizen of Rome because of some trouble that he got into we'll get to that in a second but that's notice that's not how Paul thinks about it right he's not a prisoner of Rome he's not a prisoner of the emperor right that would imply that those things were in control and had the ultimate authority over his life. But Paul strongly believed in the sovereignty of God over all things. So he believed that whatever was happening to him was under God's control. And here specifically, that he was a prisoner because of Jesus, because of what Jesus had done and how Paul was sharing that message with others around him. So Paul understood that what was happening to him was part of God's plan. Just because it ended with him being in prison didn't mean God wasn't still in control. God wasn't still working in his life. God wasn't still calling him to do the things that he was doing. So no matter the situation, even if it looks really bad, God is still working his plan in the world. Right, And I wonder if we have the same view as Paul this morning. Right, If that whatever is happening to us, do we think and do we say and believe that God is with us? that he is still in control. So whatever your current circumstances, whether they're good or whether they're bad or whether you don't really know what's going on, which I think a lot of us feel in this category right now, like what is even happening right now, right? Those things do not have ultimate authority and control over us. God still does and still has ultimate authority over those things, whatever they may be. So Paul reminds us that even him being in prison is part of God's plan. And then he continues and he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you. Right? What does he mean by this? Well, he means he's a prisoner on behalf of the Gentiles. And so to understand what's happening here, uh, we need to look at Acts 21. You don't have to turn there, but you can read it later. Um, It's a story about a riot and people getting arrested. It's kind of fun. Um, But this is what's happening. So this is the moment in the book of Acts Um, where Paul gets arrested and the whole rest of the book of Acts is Paul's trials and his journey to Rome um, because of what he has done here. And so Paul, after he's planting churches and doing all of his missionary journeys, he returns to Jerusalem, um, and he begins to tell the people in Jerusalem, specifically the church, what God has been doing um, around in his journeys, how he's opened the door for Gentiles to become believers. And even though they're excited, this is how the the people of Jerusalem respond to Paul. This is Acts 21, verses 20. ...have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. And so, if you're with us on wednesdays for the book of galatians you'll understand this a little bit more because we've talking about the law and works and circumcision and all of these things and how important it was to the jews at the time so basically what they're saying is hey the things that you're telling us are great we're excited that the door is opening and that people are coming to salvation that people are believing in jesus but the people here are a little upset and they're angry about what you are teaching and they might not respond as gracefully as we are responding to you right now And so they decide to put Paul in with another group of guys. They take a vow um, and go into the temple and kind of fulfill this vow. The problem is someone sees Paul in the temple and starts telling everybody, hey, Paul is here. And so eventually they get kind of this mob and they grab Paul and they pull him out. um, And this big thing happens and eventually he gets arrested. And so from this point forward, um, it's Paul going from one trial to another in the book of Acts. All of this is because Paul was teaching the Gentiles had the same access to God as the Jews. Now, we'll come back to the end because I think it's important to see how Paul viewed the Gentiles, right? Is he blaming them? Like, it's your fault I'm in prison, and so I'm a little upset about what you're doing. So we'll come back to that in a minute. But for just for now, we need to understand this was Paul's calling from God. It was part of God's plan. And, it goes on, and then he goes on to explain how this fits with his ministry. So next we'll see God's plan for grace. And we're going to pick this up in verse 2. It says, Assuming you've heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you. Now, the word for administration can mean stewardship or dispensation or commission. Um, It sort of carries the idea of managing somebody else's business, like the responsibility of a manager to carry out what the owner has said to him um, and how to run the business and how he's ordered. So we should get a picture of God sort of dispensing his grace through people all throughout history, right? He's giving access to his grace. He's sending people out. He's seeking people out. He's calling people to follow him and serve him. And so Paul viewed this process of God dispensing his grace throughout history um, with different people and with different situations. Um, there's sort of a, a theological concept behind this, and it's, it's called progressive revelation, right? That the longer um, God revealed himself in the world, the more we know about him. And so just for an example, I'm going to walk through that just for a second, because we know this to be true. Um, the hard part for us is we're almost at the end. Like our lives, we showed up, on the scene after all of this stuff has happened right we didn't show up before christ was born or before moses or any of these things so we have the benefit of already knowing all of this stuff because we're in the future Um, but think of how god revealed himself along the way right you can learn a lot of stuff just from creation about who god is god is powerful he is creative he is eternal so there's a lot of things if we just had genesis 1 that we could understand about who god is Right, but then you get to Genesis 2 and 3 and 4, and you see Adam and Eve being created. And we see God saying, it's not good for man to be alone. Right? God desires for us to be in community. He also gives his, us his best. But he also shows us there are consequences for disobedience to what God has said, tells us. Then we get to Noah and we learn even more, right? God is a God of judgment but also mercy. When he looked around and everybody was doing whatever they wanted, there was a penalty to pay for that. But in the midst of that, even he protects and provides for Noah and his family. Right? He is over creation, even the weather that is happening, he is over that. Right? Then we get to Abraham. And we see that God continues to keep the promise that he had made um, to Adam and to Noah to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, that the world will be filled with people who know, love, and serve him. And so God chooses Abraham out of all people to create a people that he would call his own. And then we get to Moses, right? We see that God cares for his people, that God rescues people, that God hears those who cry out to him. That God is in control of all nations, not just his own. We also see that God is a God of David. And David, he chooses the least of these, essentially, um, for great things. David, the youngest brother who's out watching sheep while everybody else is like, you should choose one of the other brothers. They're way better. right? They're way stronger. They're way smarter. All of these things. But he chooses David, a man after his own heart. But David makes mistakes and reveals there's still consequences for disobedience. And so after each one of those things, we learn more and more and more about who God is. And we see that for us, right, demonstrated clearly in Jesus, right? God made flesh who lives among us, who shows us exactly who God is. And so you can see that along the way, we get a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger picture of who God is, And so this concept is connected to what Paul is saying as administrations of grace or dispensing the grace. And in the midst of that, he calls it a mystery, right? You saw the word mystery pop up a couple of times um, in verse three and in verse nine. And so this mystery were the things that were hidden or not really made known or super clear to the previous generations, but now at the point where they are, it can be understood. While the plan of God was clear from the Old Testament, I think you can see most of this in the Old Testament, that it's pointing to something future. Some parts were a little less clear or hidden in a sense. But when Christ appears and shows up, the lights come on and it illuminates everything in the Old Testament that was pointing to the Messiah, to Christ coming. Right? It was pointing that uh, you don't have to become a Jew to be in Christ, to be part of God's family, that have equal access to God. And I know this is sort of challenging for us to understand, but think about it this way. Think of us and heaven. Right? The Bible gives us some verses, some idea of what heaven will be like. Now, we spend a lot of time arguing and trying to decide, what is it really going to look like? Am I going to have a job? Am I just going to stand around and sing all day? Right? Am I going to have a house? Am I not going to have a house? Am I going to lay my crown down or whatever? Like all of these questions that we have that it's not really clear on. Right? And so it sort of points us to what's going to happen. But we're not really sure. But what will be true is one day the world will end or Jesus will return um, or we'll go to be with him and then we'll be in heaven and we'll know exactly what all of those verses mean. And we'll look back and we'll say, of course, that's what it meant, right? I'm living through it. That's the same thing that Paul is talking about in this mystery. It doesn't mean that these things were hidden from the people before. It just means when they got to the point where Jesus showed up or Paul showed up or Moses came that the lights came on and they said, oh, of course, that's what those voices verses were pointing to so that's what he's talking about, and he says the mystery was hidden. Not that God was hiding things from people so that we couldn't know or understand, but they kind of pointed to something, and then once you experienced, you would go, oh yeah, of course that's what those were talking about. So that's what he's doing in this moment. So this is part, Paul, and what he's talking about is this is Paul's part of God revealing himself to people. God has been dispensing his grace throughout history, right and he calls paul to administer his grace to others this is paul's part of revealing the mystery of god's grace right god made the plan god called paul to follow him and he gave him instructions on what to do and paul is carrying out god's plan as a steward right representing god on earth to other people the mystery just to be clear, is not that Gentiles would be saved, because that was clear from the Old Testament, but rather that Jews and Gentiles would be joined together, that they would have equal access to God on the same playing field. And he spells out exactly what that looks like in verse 6. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, if you are reading this in Greek, it would be really amazing because these three phrases all start with the same thing—the the 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 phrase the the beginning sin, s y n. Um, So it doesn't really carry over in English. But the New American Standard Bible actually wanted us to know this, and this is what it says: It says they are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body fellow partakers in the promises and so these three things come together it kind of gives us that grouping together right that we are fellow heirs receiving the inheritance for of being with God for all eternity that we are fellow members of the body we become the children of God adopted into his family and that we are fellow partakers in the promises that we can trust in and rely on God and the promises now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining those because we heard those promises last week and the week before that and a couple of weeks before, and so if you're interested in building those out, just listen to last week. But again, all of this we see happens in Christ, right? In Christ, because it becomes through Christ and not through heritage, who you were born or what nationality you are, or through works, it can be shared by all, both Jews and Gentiles through the gospel, through what Jesus did for all of us on the cross. And so now we're going to move on to how to respond to this grace that we have received. Because we are part of the chain of the gospel going to Paul, then to the Gentiles, then to us, all this time later. And so we're going to see God's plan for grace for you or for us. And we're actually going to take this last section in reverse order of the verses. So we're going to start at the end and then work our way back up. We're actually going to start in verses 12 and 13. It says, "...in Him we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory." And so we receive grace so that we can have boldness or freedom— And confidence not discouragement right because God has made one community of believers in the church because we have been become part of the people of God with the full inheritance inheritance and included in his promises we can be confident and free to approach God we can have full access to him right think of this of being um, bold and free like a child or a grandchild who wants something from you they have no hesitation in coming and asking for it even if it's the most ridiculous request that you've ever heard of they're going to ask it because that's what they decided they wanted so they're going to come to you and they're going to be confident they're going to be like oh can i have this can i have ice cream for dinner right they're just going to throw it out there and say, this is what I want. Of course I'm going to ask for this because I have good, loving, kind parents and grandparents, and so I can ask them for whatever I want. And they don't even, like, even when you tell them no, sometimes it's a little rough, but they get over it. And then the next day, they just ask again. Same exact thing. They just keep going and going. This is what we're talking about when we say we have bold and free access to God. You can go to Him every day and ask Him for the same exact thing and he never turns you away, and he never says, oh, stop asking me that, leave me alone. That's not how he responds. Because of this grace, we can have confidence, we can have boldness, we can have freedom to go before God with any request as often as we want. Now, just like good parents and grandparents, he might say no, but you can still go before him and ask, right? Go before him often with all of your requests Right? Even though we are sinners, we don't have to come before God with hesitation, wondering if He'll hear us or respond to us. Because it isn't about how good we are or how well we followed God that week. It's about grace, which makes us a part of God's people, which means He listens to us like a loving Father. Right? And we're going to come back to, remember I said we would talk about how Paul feels about being in prison because of what he was doing with the Gentiles. This is where we see that. Right? Do not be discouraged over my, of, uh, my afflictions, basically being in prison and suffering persecution, on your behalf, for they are your glory. Right? Don't be discouraged. Yes, I'm in prison because of you, by your suffering and the suffering of others. What does he say? His suffering was their glory. Right? They received salvation and grace because of his suffering. Right? So don't be discouraged. Good came out of what happened. I don't blame you. I don't think you're responsible. I don't feel guilty or anything about that. It was good for you that I experienced this so that you could have salvation. Right? Don't be discouraged. No matter what comes. God's grace and God's glory is in it. And then we're going to see right that our lives together actually display God's wisdom. We see this in verse 10. It says, "This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens." So God's wisdom will be known. Right? When it talks about God's wisdom being multifaceted, you may have a different word in your translation. Some people had variegated, which is another fun word to say that we don't ever say. Maybe science class, you say that kind of stuff, but um, that's what he's talking about. So, what he's talking about when he uses that phrase is um, the diversity of the people of God, the diversity of the church, that what it would become of Jew and Gentile and all nations coming together, that in this we would see God's wisdom. That his wisdom is reflected in the diversity of the church. How all of these different people, different walks of life, different nationalities, different ethnicities, different life stage, different views on all sorts of other things, all come together in Christ, right? And it says this weird phrase, right, that the angels marvel at God's wisdom as they observe Jews and Gentiles united in one body, or the powers, Authorities in the heavens. Now, don't forget, last week we talked about how much these groups hated each other. Right? So, bringing them together and bringing reconciliation is a beautiful testimony of how Jesus changes everything, even our relationships to other people. And so, what he's saying here is God's wisdom is displayed in the church, not just to us who are in the church. Not just to the people around us in our neighborhood or in our city, in the physical world, but to the spiritual world as well. That all the realms can see the greatness of God by the way he brings everyone together to form the church. Right? It's this display of God's reconciling work, the way that he displays and testifies God's grace and God's wisdom. Right it's not just the people around us that are watching we are a testimony for the whole world right all the realms are watching now just so i'm a little clearer on this this doesn't mean you need to go around trying to preach to things that you can't see Or angels that might be around you or watching you. You don't need to preach sermons to them. That's not what this is saying. The point is that God is revealing his plan and his power and his grace through the existence of the church, of this people of God who is united, who comes together to serve and to follow him. That all of these things that we should disagree on and that we should fight over are left aside as we come together in Christ. And then we're going to finish in verses seven and eight. And it says this I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. So Paul calls himself in this section the least of all the saints. This word is actually like a word that we would make up. The word is actually leaster, right? I'm the leaster of all of these, right? The very bottom, right? He didn't consider himself worthy of how God was using him. But Paul considered the way God entrusted him with the gospel as an act of grace. So if you are here or you're listening this morning and you feel like you're the least of all the saints, like you aren't worthy that maybe God can't use you, you can receive the gift of grace for salvation and the gift of grace to serve him, which is what we see here, right? He says, by the gift. And what was this gift? This gift that he says was to be God's servant, right? I was made God's servant by the gift of his grace, not just to come into the kingdom and receive salvation, but then also to serve him, right, for salvation. And Paul, God's grace for Paul was not just to become part of his people, right, not just for salvation, even though it starts there, but then God's great gift of grace called him to be a servant of God's power. He was given the grace to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Right? Sometimes we might limit grace just to God's gift of salvation, but this helps us realize that grace is also the gift of service, the gift of ministry. Grace brings ability with it, that we are called to do that. So Paul, this grace called him to serve God in a very specific way, Right? And I think while he may have this very specific call, we all have this in a general sense. Let's walk through this. And so he said, he does this to proclaim the incalculable riches of Christ. Right? And for Paul, that was specifically to proclaim that to the Gentiles. But this grace was given to him, not just for himself, but so that he could proclaim, so that he could preach, so that he could teach, so that he could tell, so that he could explain the gift of grace to others. He was to administer, to steward this grace for all people. And his call was specific to the Gentiles, right? To expand God's message of grace to a group who had not experienced or received this message before. But while his call is specific, I think all of us are called to administer, to be stewards of God's grace. We are called to extend it to others. God's grace enlists us to serve Him, to move us to action. It empowers us to spread this mystery of Christ that we see in the gospel. Right? It comes to us as a gift, first for salvation, and then to move us forward. But what we do with this grace, with this gift, is actually up to to us? After we receive it, do we keep it to ourselves? Do we remain passive, knowing that, hey, I'm in heaven, I'm going to spend eternity with God, I'm good, so I can just kind of coast to the end? Or will we be active stewards of God's grace? Understanding it has been given to us and it is calling us And giving us a desire for others to experience the same grace, the same gift. So we share, we encounter, we seek God's direction to guide us in how to distribute this grace to other people. Because, yes, we might not all be Paul, which is true, but we can all share and proclaim this message of grace. No matter your age, no matter your lifestyle, no matter how much you can get up and around, no matter how much you're isolating yourself from other people to stay away from COVID, there are still ways to share God's grace with others, right? Because the benefit of all of that is we live in a time where we all have phones that we're connected to all the time. So a phone call or a text message, or you can send a letter in the mail to encourage someone to share this grace. There are so many ways for us to be able to do this. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your situation, you can participate in sharing God's grace with others. There are ways that we can share, that we can proclaim. This gift that we have been given, this mystery that has been revealed to us, right, because of where we come in time, we can see the whole picture pointing back. And how it centers on Christ on the cross, and how He took our place as sinners, and he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could have life, so that we could be resurrected, so that we could even, as it says here, have confident and bold access directly to God. We don't have to go through anyone else. And we're given that not just for us, but for others, so we can share and administer and steward this grace to the people that God sends us to in our lives. So let us be thankful for God's grace that was given to us and let us be good stewards of the grace that was given to us and use it to proclaim the incalculable riches of Christ Jesus. We guys pray with me this morning. God, we come before you. And we thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us. We thank you for your for the gift of grace that you give to us that we, we don't deserve, which we, we've seen all through the book of Ephesians. You continue to give us more and more things that we don't deserve. But God, help us to receive this gift of salvation, this gift of grace to us, to become part of your family, to become heirs, to receive in all the promises, to spend eternity with you. Let us remember and be reminded that this grace that has changed our lives isn't just one thing that happens at the beginning of our spiritual lives, but that it continues to affect us, to call us, to look to you, and then to serve others. You give us the gift of grace to share, to steward, to extend to others, to help them see the riches of your grace. God, help us to see, help us to be creative, help us to lean on your spirit, to help us know how to do that, how can we can serve others, we can show others your grace. So, God, help us to trust in you, rely on you, and share your grace with all. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
1: Church, let's stand and respond to the word. We have access to Christ. We have access to the Father, to stand before Him in holiness sings sing this together. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. Turn the me to Amen.
0: guys for worshiping with us this morning whether you were here in person or online and for those of you who stayed home because you were coughing or had other symptoms we appreciate that as well it's a little crazy out there still so just be safe um as we go we'll kind of take things as we go as we said last week week by week to see what happens and we'll go from there um, this week is our regular members meeting, so we'll do that on Wednesday. We'll send the link out to you guys. So it'll be all virtual, so you can um, participate That's, this Wednesday. We're kind of kicking off a new year, so we'll be talking about kind of where we're at and where we may be going this year, so I hope you'll join us for that. Um, our benediction today is from 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, it just reminds us that we are called to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ and to share it with others. It says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and until the day of eternity. So let's go and be stewards of grace. Administer grace to all those around us until eternity. And even, I think, after that. So for all eternity, we can administer and share the grace that we have with others. So let's go and share grace. And you guys have a great week.